Welcome to the CSRG podcast, or should I say welcome back, because we've been off for a few weeks. Just a little bit. Um, you know, Christmas is kind of right around the corner, Thanksgiving, etc. Um, work hates also, you. Yeah, work hates me. Um, but other than that, you know, it's getting cold. Um, a lot of people are kind of taking off season. Some people aren't, some people are. Um, but it's been, yeah, it's been a busy holiday season for me, so. Yeah. No, we're, it's been busy for me at work, too, surprisingly. Yeah, I guess it's the end of the year, right? No, it's not end of the year. It's just that this is just the timing of the of when we're getting documentation and data and stuff so end of the year yeah <laughs> everyone's kind of getting we don't have end of the year deadlines no no well I'm pretty... i had a panic a couple days ago because i was afraid of shutdown oh yeah that's true um but you guys get christmas eve off now right so yes yeah it's uh every federal uh federal employee is getting christmas eve off i assume uh, you don't have christmas eve off i do I oh do. that's that's surprising yeah. um but yeah, and so with the season winding down, uh, Ken and I thought it's probably a good time to talk about um, kind of what we've been doing from a stats perspective and kind of lessons learned, things that we've noticed, um, and how well the methodology has been working out with the sample set that we've, I guess, been been graced with at Shadowhawk. Because there are a lot of shooters who shoot it uh, compared to some other local matches that we know of. And so um, I guess what's the, what's the first thing that really... I, well, back. let's talk about the winners first. Who who won oh, each yeah, division? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh-huh. so we've, for those, in in short, we've been aggregating scores and doing data analytics basically through, throughout this entire season, starting from March all the way through um, through November. We didn't do December, December because there was an issue. The weather screwed up a lot of the stages, so they had to score matches separately. So I decided not to pull down December, um, because that would cause a little skew and that would be inequitable so i just decided yeah. let's skip it um i, I wasn't even even going to bother normalizing because um you know proportionally it would track anyway so yeah. it doesn't really matter you know di- different points so saturday and sunday so essentially what happened was uh the wind blew down a lot of the stages so they had to rebuild for the second day and so point spread would have been different performance the stages different. were different and different shooters would have been shooting different stages but technically it would have been the same match. It was just way too many uh, you know, variables for us to really deal with. Um, so it just didn't make sense. So that's out. So we're considering the 2019 season ending with a November match. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. yeah well, and so we... Go, go ahead and announce the winners. Yeah, so we do. Oh, man, I might uh, butcher some names. So for carry optics, congrats to Jerry Tetreau. Um He's a master class shooter, and he ended up uh, besting second place by about... 50 points, which is very close. Yeah, and we'll actually talk um, about this because we were we were um, uh, we were we were talking about this before we started the podcast. Yeah. Um, in some s- statistical anomalies, well, not anomalies, but like some coincidences that you know, with with a couple changes, like a very small, minor changes in in those shooters' stats, would have turned the game upside down. Yeah, you know, it's just some observations that we're making to see how how the system works, right? Um, but. We will definitely touch up on that. So, but looking at limited, congrats to our own Keanu um, for winning limited by a whopping ninety some points. So, it was only ninety some. So rip, uh, rip everybody else shooting limited at Shadowhawk. Limited ten. Now this one was a doozy. This one was wild because yeah. there was a lot of unclassified shooters who yeah. then became classified, <laughs> and basically, so like. A lot of my, a lot of Chris and my friends and I, we all shot L10 for not an insignificant amount of matches. Yeah, and it was just, just for jokes. Just for jokes. Um, um, but congrats again to Keanu shooting limited minor 10. 
Um, yeah, it's that Beretta. Be- beating out Go Fast, Don't Suck, Admin number three by like seven points. That was a close one. You Absolutely hear that, Admin close. three, you suck. <laughs> All right, let's see. Looking at open, let's see. This does not look right. I need to filter these. Um, Wampler should have open, I would think, right? Yeah, so congrats to David Wampler with uh, DWC Consulting, I believe it is. Um, he ended up... Actually, Ron Francisco was right behind him, pretty close. So David only won by about 40 points, which is actually quite surprising. Well, but, Ron shot more matches, too. Yeah, and we'll definitely touch up on that as well Yeah. Um, in terms of what we've noticed. But um, moving on to PCC... Um, Joe Pitha, I, I believe he runs an ammo company actually out. Um, is he in Maryland or is he in Virginia? I didn't know you ran an ammo company. Yeah, no, he's got an ammo company. He's but, from West Virginia, I think. Um, but congrats to Joe, um, masterclass PCC shooter um, with, looks like, what is that, 500-point spread between the next PCC shooter, um, which is a, a, good, a good amount, but I guess statistically speaking, not that much because, just to put things in perspective, uh, open shooters... David had around 2,300 points for the year, um, while Joe had 9,000. I think PCC and Limited were big, were Shadowhawks' biggest divisions, yeah. unquestionably. And um, you know, for PCC in particular, there was always a lot of GM shooting, which meant that there were a lot of points available to win per match. And so, for I guess for the sake of the stats that we do run, uh, one thing to keep in mind is that for each of the divisions... Just because you may have a lot more points than another division um, does not necessarily mean that you should be doing better um, just because of the way the point spread works. So to put things in perspective, Keanu shooting limited 10 um, won the year with only 200 points while PCC again had 9,300 points for number one. Uh, Moving to production, congrats to John Clark. Oh, nice. Congrats. Um, He finished overall with 25... 55 points, um, which is actually 300 points more than the second place. Um, and now we're going to the fun divisions. Uh, <laughs> congrats to Steve, uh, B-class revolver shooter, uh, with 130 points, beating out a GM <laughs> by 13 points. Well, that said, GM didn't go out a lot to shoot revolver. He shot a lot he of L-10 sh- and single stack. Yeah, he definitely did. Um but kind of fun to see. There are only four shooters at Shadowhawk this entire year shooting revolver. Um, and so I'm actually, you know, maybe we'll think about dropping a revolver next year in terms of stats, but who knows. Um, and look at this. That said, revolver shooter um, ended up winning single stack. So congrats to Mike, Mike Danchek, um, finishing overall with 1,175 points which is about 40 points more than the second place shooter. So congrats to our winners for CSRG. I don't think we have any prizes, unfortunately. We'll, actually, we're, no. we're poor. Yes, we're, we're very poor. Um, but we'll see if we might be able to throw something together at least um, for those who won their division. So. Oh, that's very kind of you, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> Do I get two prizes? <laughs> <laughs> we'll donate Keanu's prizes to other, other division winners. I got, some, um, I got some certs I can give out. Yeah, we, we can definitely I have try like to... a Techwell cert and I have some Red Hill stuff. Nice. Um, so, maybe. And then maybe we'll try to find some gift cards or whatever. Um, was it Shadowhawk? What's close to Shadowhawk? That might RSP. Make sense. RSP. RSP Gun Shop. Um, yeah, we maybe we can see if we can get some gift certificates or 
even to like a restaurant or something. I don't know, maybe Cracker Barrel or Olive Garden. Yo, <laughs> like that twenty five dollar gift card can feed you for like you know three a year, or three to five days. <laughs> All um, right, so I just wanted to put out a few things. So interesting to note. So in carry optics, we had eighty four shooters total for the entire year. Eighty four unique shooters for the entire year, Shadowhawk. That's that's insane. That is a lot. We have eighty six in limited. Really? Yeah. Dang. 15 in L10. 41 in open. Which, to, to be honest, that kind of surprises me a little bit. You know I, think I, mean? it's, I think it's the barrier entry, dude. For, it's like a lot of these people are sure. limited carry optics in production uh-huh. in PCC because the barriers to entry are pretty low. It's a lot it's cheaper for limited to shoot. minor, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a lot cheaper to shoot. It's a lot easier to get set up. You can't be competitive in open unless you have an open gun. That's true. Right? Um, yeah, that is definitely true. And then for PCC, we have 48 shooters, so that's actually... Not as many as I thought. Um, we have 89 in production. So that's a lot. So production but, but is But I still, mean, production makes sense, right? Because then it's easy to people get shooting into. production could also be shooting carry optics. It, it all kind of translates over, right? Yeah. We had four revolver shooters and 20, <laughs> surprisingly 20 single stack shooters. Which is, you know, limited 10 almost beat out the number of single stack shooters. Um, yeah. Makes me think that, you know, Limited 10 might have a resurgence in the scene. <laughs> but it's kind of crazy to think that, like, Carry Optics, Production, and Limited are all the biggest divisions. But, like, it also makes sense. It's just kind of cool to see that the actual numbers play out to you yeah. over the span of a year. It's, but yeah, over the span of the year, especially because, you know, people can jump divisions. You have people who are shooting open who are, you know, like me, who shot Limited 10 as well. Carry Optics as well. Um, yeah. So you know, it's it's interesting to see kind of where everybody ends up at the end of the year, um, but I think one of the coolest things, you know, aside from the numbers as well, is we did have to make a couple of adjustments throughout the year. But I feel like overall, the the results that we see today track pretty closely with what we expected from everybody throughout the year, with a few exceptions, mm-hmm. and I think the exception being. Those who shot more matches, like at the at the higher level, right? Those who shot yeah. more mm-hmm. matches would consistently come out on top because they'd be ma- assuming if if they're competing for top place, they're getting close to maximizing their points. Yeah, right? which so they they gain a lot more as opposed to unless you're a GM where you get ninety five percent of points by default, right? Yeah, well, kind of, not really, but yeah, we'll, we'll, but- we'll talk about the normalizing and the. Um, calibration and all that stuff in a second, but yeah, it's it, it's kind of crazy to see everything kind of tracked almost how we wanted it to after we tweaked everything. So I think it like did, halfway yeah. through the season, we finally had it all figured out. Yeah, and and I think um, you know, Kenan and I were talking about this briefly right before we started recording. You know, the, I think the one thing that we noticed that was kind of inequitable for shooters hopping into the series midway um, was how we were doing normalization or initial classification. Um, for the amount of matches missed. So what we noticed is that when you jumped in in the middle of the season, you ended up getting a lot more points than some people who have been continually shooting Yeah. Um, with the way that we were doing So, So the way we had it was you would get... If you, let's, if you were a master shooter, you'd be getting 85% of the points for each match you missed. Yeah. Which is a considerable amount considering you didn't shoot. Yeah. Right, and then like if you, for a GM, like at, I think at the M and GM level, it really the our, like the flaw, our flaw in that really really started to show. It did because yeah. you were getting eighty five to ninety five percent of points, right, and that's an absurd amount for not having shot a match, and you're getting and it's compounding, 
over the span of however many matches you missed. Yeah, and you know, I, I think the assumption that we originally made, right, was that as a as a master class shooter, you're expected to be shooting around at 85%, the very least this level, right? Right. It's um, it's your minimum level. But you know, we talked about this before the whole grand bagging and all that stuff. You know, there's it, it's not necessarily always consistent shooter to shooter, and so we definitely made some adjustments where we we wanted to keep it still pretty equitable. Where if you jumped in middle of the year. You're not completely crippled from being competitive, but, but you're same, not destroying everyone right off the bat. Exactly, um, and so we had to make some changes for that specifically, and I think it worked out pretty well uh, for the end of the season, especially because once it started getting a little bit colder, I think we saw a lot of people jumping divisions to something um, that they usually do not shoot, and um, you know, within the top ten, we we're consistently seeing people who don't shoot those divisions are within the top ten because of how they perform, the amount of points they get. And what their skill level is. And I think, you know, even for some of these people, when it comes to skill level alone, they're kind of placed where they probably should be in those divisions, despite jumping in pretty late. So I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty happy with how that how that worked out. Yeah, that, that came out pretty well. And so, and for those of you who want to know, the way we change it now is each... So basically the first match you shoot at Shadowhawk would have been your calibration match. That was... So you only get... If you're an M shooter, you're basically getting 85% of the points max <clears throat> of the max points for that match, um, multiplied by a factor of how many matches you missed. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to base it off that single match's performance. That way, you're not crippling anyone who shot that match as well. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. In an, in an extremely inequitable fashion. Yeah. And we I think we found once we once we adjusted that. So Chris and I we we went back and we we uh, retroactively applied it to all the prior months and it was I think it took me like three like it took me the entire weekend when I was last doing it along with a couple weekdays to do it yeah when Keenan says me and him it was mainly him doing the stats <laughs> um, yeah but you know I, but then we, we did see because I think what we ended up seeing was that somebody who shot one match all of a sudden was just destroying uh, he everybody he was the very else. front like um, he wins one match and then all of a sudden he's winning overall yeah and right? you know for you know, for a series-based competition, you know, like Elo, um, there needs to be an advantage, or there needs to be a reward for being consistent in your participation. And what we saw is that the way that we had it before was not rewarding consistent participation. And so, um, you know, Keanu made the changes, and we saw that that was no longer the case. Where if you jump in, let's say, end of the year, last match of the series. Um, you win the match, and then all of a sudden you've won out your division because then, what's the point of shooting, you know, you, you know every match, right? Because why not just jump in the end if you're capable? Why not just shoot three or four matches yeah. a, a year, right? And that way you just avoid avoid uh, passive decay. Yep. Right. Um, and then I think for normalization too. So for those who have missed matches, the way we had it before was it would be a percentage based off the match you missed. But like we were saying with the calibration is we don't want to necessarily give you credit for the match um, for, for every match you missed. So the way we did it was we did a, it was the average of the prior three matches and it would be your percentage of those prior three matches. That way you're not getting ahead of people who have shot those matches consistently. Mm -hmm. So so basically all we've done is we've kind of changed the data. We've, we've changed our algorithm so that way you're not in a constant if if you're a higher level shooter and you miss a lot of matches you're not in a constant state of destroying people without being physically present yes at the match so like chris says a lot of our a lot of our our, our algorithm is is grounded in the more you compete 
the better you'll place in ELO. Yeah. Right? Yep. Or, or compar- relatively speaking. Yeah, and, and we'll definitely touch up on that as well. And one thing that Keanu mentioned, we also did have to put in a passive decay into the system as well. Um, one thing that we noticed, um, David Wampler shot one carry optics match as a GM, 100%. He destroyed everyone. And, and, with, and so another thing that was a part of the system as well is that we wanted, you know, for example, if you could not shoot, because we understand that life does happen where you cannot participate in a match, where you're no longer competitive if you cannot shoot the next match, or if you miss multiple matches, um, you're not getting points and all of a sudden you're left behind. So we had a system where even if you did not shoot, we would give you points per match. Um, but we we're, were realizing though, is that without a passive decay, David Wampler, I don't think would have ever lost carry optics from he shooting would never have lost because he was so far ahead of everyone who was shooting carry optics based and, on that first match alone and he was a carry optics gm yeah so he got 95 no, no, he, no he's he only an m but an he still m, gets 85 yeah. percent of it mm-hmm. of all the points so i think he probably would have been beat at the end of the season maybe maybe right yeah but the way it was looking halfway through the year was like look you know, we like Dave and all, but yeah. <laughs> this is a little unfair because he, he only shot carry optics because uh, I think his open gun was out of... Yeah, I think it was just getting some maintenance done. Yeah, so... Um, but, I mean, you know, but, but you know, passive decay, another reason why we, we decided it was probably equitable to add it was we didn't want somebody who, like David, who is very good at shooting to shoot carry optics and then limited and then production and then open mm-hmm. and being able to just kind of maintain top spots and the minute he starts dropping a little bit he shoots another to be match. able to jump in later in the year and then all of a sudden have a monopoly over first place across all divisions yeah and so with a decay i think we have it set for what three months it's three so if you miss three months in a row so basically the way i have the, the way i have the uh all the formulas and everything set up if you have three zeros detected in a row of match performance then you stop normalizing Yes. So yeah. So, okay. Uh huh. Yeah. So we're not doing active decays. You're, you're not. We're not actively removing points from you, from you, because we figured that you know in a system where everyone's already actively participating, it's punishing enough not to participate. Yes. So mm-hmm. ju- you'll just be you ju- you'll just be stagnant in your place. Yeah. And um. But uh, yeah. So I think it's three months. But. I think passive was was the better way to go, right? And it, it definitely was. As opposed, yeah. there because there, I didn't see much of a point in. And you and I we talked about this when we first started doing this, doing a, doing an active decay. But mm-hmm. I think it's just it's too punishing unnecessarily. Yeah, and actually, you know, active decay. I think the it's more we're, work for me. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think the way that we we're envisioning it, right, was that if somebody at a lower elo beats you, you lose elo points. Um, but then I think math, not necessarily mathematically, but from a data and automation perspective, it was just way too much work for us to do um, without having to dump in a lot of money into a system where we could automate that kind of stuff. But it's not, it's, it's not just that. It's, it's now like in retrospect, right? Mm-hmm. A single instance isn't, isn't enough to warrant... Um, it isn't enough to warrant punishment. Right, because yeah. so like you uh-huh. know, in statistics we we talk about sample size and we yep. talk mm-hmm. about you know confidence relative to your sample size and you know you can you can only go so far and be so confident in your in the strength of your sample, mm-hmm. right? So one match isn't enough. 
Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, but I guess the, the way that we originally talked, I think this was way back when we were talking about an act of decay, was it was almost like a, a battle system, right? Because you're, you're continually competing against people um, within ELOs where you might lose, like, it was, it was almost minute, like 10 points for losing to somebody who was a 10 lower points class below. than you or yeah. something, yeah. Um, but something like that was just way too complex. Um, but then an active decay, you know, when we're talking about if you're missing a match, there's an active decay happening. Um, like, like you said, it, it was that was just too unequitable almost yes. from that perspective. It was too punishing um, because, as we'll talk about later, right, one of the best ways to rack up consistent points with good positioning in CSRG is to be consistent in your participation. Yeah, you, you're, you're, so the way the system is set up is if you shoot a bunch of matches and you just miss one month, like you miss an off month or whatever, it's not really going to make it. It's not. It's really not going to impact your scores that yeah. much. Mm-mm. You will see it if it's if you know you're missing two matches, three matches, or if you're shooting you know thirty percent lower than your division should be, right? Yeah. Um, and and so that is definitely punished. But like Ken is saying, if just because you miss a match doesn't mean you're gonna you're out of the running all of a sudden. Um, no, and we wanted to to make sure that people who like like Chris doesn't d- doesn't shoot anywhere near as much as I do. Um, just because he actually has a life, or um, no life, however you want to, whatever the perspective one way or the is. other, Chris <laughs> either has less of a life than me or more of a life than me. But I just shoot, so I shoot a lot more matches than than Chris, and there are a lot of people like Chris in this area because you know in the DC metro area, a lot of people are just busy with life and stuff. You know, work gets in the way. You know, there are a lot of you know small family, small growing families here and everything. So we just wanted to make sure that people would have would would have the chance to. To kind of stay in the competition, and they could still comfortably miss a match without having to worry about it. Yeah. Um, um, obviously, no one worries about it because no one really cares about what we do. But yeah, <laughs> some people do. Well, um, like, 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 it's. I'm not really too concerned because it's. This is all an alpha test, right? This is why we're talking about yeah. this. Mm-hmm. And this is so. This this whole year has been a learning experience for us. It has, yeah. Um, and again, I think for for this past year, though, the fact that we've been able to implement an algorithm that somewhat tracks with what we believe should be right from a performance perspective, I think is, is pretty big to me. Um, like, you know, I, I know we were talking about like one to five year plan and whatnot before. And the fact that we've kind of got something where we can actually take it next year and start testing in other, you know, other areas of the United States is kind of, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. So. I, I did also forget. So, um, we for each month I did change this I, I did change what we were doing, so that way if you class if you went up a class, so it would match your current class that was in the system and it would match against your most recent class mm-hmm. um, from the, from that last match's stat, and that way we could at least normalize more accurately because I realized there were a few discrepancies. It 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 wasn't a lot. It wasn't enough to warrant um a uh, like a mass retroactive implementation uh-huh. but I think like halfway through the season I, I ended up adding that that in for active tracking on um, on current classes yeah so mm-hmm. so I think ha- like halfway through we were definitely more on track with with how people um, people had their classes and everything mm-hmm. so I, I think I think that was a good thing too but speaking of classes, we were looking. We were just looking at the carry optic stats. Yeah. And we noticed something very, very funny. And again, we just want to point out that we're deliberately rewarding participating in the match. Yep. We definitely are. Yeah. Um, 
And so, you know, I think this is, you know, I guess we'll probably jump into the segment now, right? How do you, what, what have we noticed in terms of how to perform well in CSRG? First thing is constant participation. Um, one Second thing, thing is win. Yes, is definitely winning, um, but it's definitely participation. Um, and for carry optics, you know, Gary has been consistently shooting, I think almost every match of Shadowhawk this year, right? Most every, yeah. Um, and so for, for Gary in particular, I think his main advantage as well, not only was he shooting consistently, but he is a master class shooter, and I think he was probably the only consistent M class shooter for carry optics. He's a no joke M shooter. Um, too. He's he's a legit good yeah. shooter. And so so most likely he was probably winning every match, um, shooting carry optics. I would assume just without without having to go back. But that already means that the, from a point spread as a master class shooter shooting every single match, he was probably maximizing his point value throughout the entire year. Every match that he was shooting, he didn't have to worry about, you know, are there any GM shooting? Are there any master class shooter shooting? How many points am I gonna win per year? Or per, sorry, per match. And so you've got an M class shooter consistently shooting, maximizing points that he could possibly be, he or she could be winning um, because so I'm looking now. Gary did not shoot every match. He did not. He missed four matches. But that's still pretty good, I feel like, for a lot of people. I mean, looking at the rest of the folks who are shooting carry optics, I'm, I don't know if there's anybody... No, I'm sorry. Yeah, he missed uh, three matches, I think. So he missed July, October, November. Which, is, again, which isn't bad. Um, it's not bad, because I think... But he had a substantial enough lead. Yeah. Right? And the two people trailing behind him were... Um, they were... They're, they're not new shooters. They were shooting carry optics coming from a different division, mm -hmm. um, coming from open and limited, uh, respectively. Yeah, and I um, mean, like, um, even Greg, I mean, he shot a little fair, a fair bit of PCC this year as well as Shadowhawk. Yeah. Um, is he still up there? He is, yeah. So he, he was right behind Paul. Oh, nice, um, yeah. So, okay, so, yeah, so, so, I mean, it just shows, I think, a lot of these people out who are under Gary arguably shoot at about the same level, mm -hmm. right? But because Gary shot more carrier optics more consistently than him, the system rewards him. Like it, I wouldn't say it actively rewards him, but it definitely benefits him. For sure. Just because um, he's pretty much only shot production and carry optics. Yeah. And he's only missed three matches. Whereas a lot of these people have missed more than, considerably more than that. Um, like the two people under under Gary, right? Yeah. And, and but but I think another thing that he had an advantage of is again, he was a match of class shooter while, you know, Chris, Paul, Greg, um, you know, they're all A class. So even if Gary wasn't shooting that match and Paul wins that match in carry optics, he's not getting as many points as Gary would if Gary had been shooting and won that match. Just because there were no master class shooters for that particular Correct. Match, right? And so this is where I think it really comes down where you definitely have an advantage in this particular game based on your class on your actual class well so if you're M basically if you're m or gm you you benefit by shooting in that division by default because the way we have it set up is for each match um part of the multipliers one of the multipliers we use is um is the skill multiplier so so in theory if you have more m's and gm's the skill threshold should be higher competition-wise within the, that division. Yeah. So we factor that in. Um, and so so basically what happens is, so for a lot of, so for a lot of classes or divisions that we have, like PCC, open, and um, limited, we have a lot of master class shooters. 
So a lot of a lot of points get favored towards those divisions, just because of not only participation size, but also because of the the number of M and GM shooters. Yeah. So, like what Chris was saying, by default, if you're an M shooter in the way we have the system set up, you are benefiting yourself and the division overall. And if you didn't shoot it, you're I wouldn't I don't want to say hurting, but like you're you're not benefiting the division. The divi- the division, the people who are shooting that day are not benefiting as much as opposed to if you were shooting it, which is kind of what we wanted to do again because, you know, the more M class shooters we have, the more GM cl- class shooters we have in that division, in theory that means the threshold for for performing at whatever level you did that match should be higher. Yeah, it does bring up the point though, right? Is if, for example, you had a shooter who shoots on and off at the M or GM level, and they're the only one for that division at that classification, does it disadvantage everybody else shooting? I don't think I have a definitive answer for that. Um, if they are shooting or if they are if not? If they are not shooting. so like I don't think it does because if you think about it, if it's an M and GM shooter, they are expected to win. We are expecting them to perform at you know at, at the top level for a local match. Yeah, but but let let's say you're kind of teetering between you know you're in a healthy competition as an A class shooter, and an you know M class shooter. You shoot more often than the M class shooter, but because of when the M class shooter is shooting, there's more points to be won. I don't know. I I, I feel like I can't definitively say it's an advantage or a disadvantage. Well, it's close, right? But like, how do we track that? Yeah, like efficiently. Um, I think that's something that'll just be interesting to see um, as time goes on. And whether that's yeah. something that we might need to adjust, right? Because if Gary, let's say he shoots every other month and then he's always beating the A-class shooter for those months, mm-hmm. you know, but theoretically if they were to shoot, they'd kind of flip-flop, it, you know. I'm, but you I'm just said sure. he's consistently beating the A-class shooter. Only when he shoots that match. So let's that's say... That's fine. That tracks because we don't want... Because if the A-class shooter is winning, if, if that single A-class shooter is going to win every match that the M-class shooter does not show up in. The logic tracks. The M-class shooter makes the division harder to shoot by default because he is participating. But let's say that that M-class shooter gets 85... You know, what what do we, we say? 85%, 85% of points for not shooting? Right? Is, is, there a, is there a use case where that 85% is more points... No, I guess it wouldn't. It wouldn't be. Yeah, it, it, it can't yeah. be because uh-huh. we, we always have have it set up so you yeah. cannot get more points than the division winner. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to say. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think the logic is there and I think it actually tracks pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we were also saying so the two shooters under Gary are A class shooters and both of them made M at the end of the season. So oh, and Paul, we were Paul's, saying Paul's M now. Yeah, he made okay. M in Gary oh, nice. Optics uh-huh. in at the classifier match in November. Okay, cool. Uh huh. So, yeah. So. Looking back now, had they made M around halfway through the season, things could have changed. They were only fifty out of how yeah. many points were they? So it was like what two or three thousand points total. Yeah. So right? I, so Gary had twenty three forty four. So twenty three forty four. They were only fifty percent, fifty points behind. Yeah, I think Paul was closer to hundred hundred points behind. Okay, um, so that's still like what? That's that's still less than what five percent? Yeah, and Paul jumped in really late for carry optics. Yeah, um, but he did. He performed so well when he jumped in that he yeah. he benefited considerably. Yeah, and and right? I you know that's the kind of stuff that we definitely want to see as well. So I think I think it all definitely tracks. And so not only does consistent participation and winning and your classification um, 
but I think contribute to doing well. Yeah, and I think on a match by match basis, having more people in your division, shooting in division with more heat, like we were saying yep. that we uh-huh. have it factored in, so that way matches that have more M's and GMs in that division benefit greater. Yeah, like limited ten had who's the so limited ten was hard because there are so many unclassified shooters that a lot of people weren't getting normalized and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I think like for all of us, we lost out on a lot of points because <laughs> we didn't gain anything. We, there, there was yeah. nothing to, to, to calibrate on. So I think maybe, maybe we should start having an unclassified calibration or normalizing factor for I, next season. I think we should, but, but I, think for the, I think it makes sense for the system for it to be that way. And really what should change is that we should get classified in limited 10. I am right? classified in limited 10. Nice. Right, but, but I think that's what it should be, right? Is that people should be classed to compete. Um, I mean... Yeah, like so it's, like it, it gives us... Basically, we do that because we want a statistical baseline. Yes. And that's in your classification. Like While there are a lot of arguments whether or not the classification system in USPSA is outdated or inaccurate or ineffective, blah, 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 blah. It gives us some sort of baseline to work with. So if you look yep. at major match performance by majority... Classification track. lines up. Yeah. yeah. Classification. Um, like, it may not be to the exact percentages of performance just based on... Um, and, and that's just because a lot of the people who shoot, like, area matches and stuff, like, you know, street, like, you know, top 16 national people, mm-hmm. they, they are the... They're the anomalies. They but perform then, yeah. at a much higher level, right? Like, so you have people like Ben, you have people like JJ, you have people like... Christian, just... Like, Christian, right? Him, yeah. And you have you have these people, they're, like, out of the GMs, they're, like, super GMs. They win every match they shoot mm-hmm. without having to freaking breathe. Yeah. Right? They show up, they win. Or it's very controlled breathing, and not the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, anyway, so, but anyway, my point is, classification by majority tracks. It does. Um... And, I, and, and so, I guess going back to it, right? So, per- performance, performance-wise, we, you know, classification, it is our standard for us because we may want to create a new classification system, but we probably, realistically, we can't, right? There's too many variables, and that's why standards exist for the classification. That's why um, using USPSA's data is easy. Yeah. And so, again, going back to how to do well in our particular system, I would say the most important thing is, is to shoot the first match of the year. Right, because as mm-hmm. you, I, I think I think it, it'll give you a better baseline from a point perspective than if you were to jump in later in the year and have to get your points normalized. Um, I think it re- that really depends on your class. It, 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 it right, not only your class but how confident you are in your ability to perform as well. Right, because no matter what right. class you're in, there are going to be times where you place better than people who are classed above you. Sure. Yeah. Right. And so shooting shooting the first match is going to position you to perform at a higher potential than jumping in later in the season. It will initially, but again, like we were saying, anomalies exist. They do. Right. So if you pull at, pull a match out of your butt and you just destroy everyone, but you can't do it consistently, and you're still shooting the matches, it's actually more detrimental. Assuming you're so, let's say you're an M class shooter, right? You pull a match out of your butt, you destroy everyone. Yes. Uh huh. And it is more detrimental for you. To shoot to more. shoot more matches. Yes. Yeah. Well, but... maybe not because if it's eighty five percent. So let's assume you're really bad. <laughs> so let, let's say you consistently shoot at eighty percent usually at the local level. So you're a grand it bagger. Is, uh-huh. it, it is more. Yeah, you'd be a grand bagger or whatever the M class version would be. M um, uh, bagger, magger. Yeah, I don't. Know. Either yeah. way, you are hurting yourself by shooting matches more so than having <laughs> normalized. 
But that's good, right? Because then you get rewarded again. You, you're punished for your poor for poor. Yes, poor exactly. performance, etc. Right. So, so again, the logic tracks. It tracks. But I don't think um, I don't necessarily think shooting the first match is important. I think shooting the match on a somewhat consistent basis is by far more beneficial. I, I miss the first match. Yeah. So, so I definitely think consistency is the most beneficial. Yeah. Right. But let's say you're just a B class shooter, a C class shooter, kind of teetering within the fifty to sixty percent range with the potential of shooting. Let's say let's say an eighty percent. Right. Sure. Yeah. I think it position positions you better throughout the year, not only to be consistent in your participation, but if you are shooting from the start, I guess. Because you have more potential to win more points than if you're normalized at your classification, right? Correct. And so I would definitely say in terms of order of magnitude, it would be consistency, then classification. Um, no, well, no, I guess not even consistent. It'd be consistency of shooting the matches and participating winning <laughs> then your classification and then probably shooting the first match um right because yeah. the way that we the way that we've tried to classify you with just some overall base stats of where you're sitting in uspsa's classification um it's hard to do without a first match it it not only is it harder but it's all an assumption right because maybe you're really not a c-class shooter when it comes to field courses, maybe you're just missing some of the fundamentals to get to B or A or M on classifiers, but your performance on field courses is strong. You're consistently beating people above your classification. Sure. Um, right. You want the point, you want to get the points that you deserve versus having USPSA's classification dictate what your point should be after your first match. I guess that that's just kind of what I'm saying on that part. So yeah, yeah, I, it, I agree with that. It would be it would be probably the last thing to really contribute to your end of year performance. So again, it's really just adding a baseline. Yeah, basically, it, it'll it'll position you better. It's very much like college GPAs. It's a lot easier to maintain a GPA than trying to bring up your 2.0 after a year and a half of partying and missing classes. Yeah. So and also also picking and shooting a division that is still relevant. Like, like we were yes, talking uh-huh. about, so so we were talking about how the more M's and GMs you have in a in a division in a match contribute more. You there are there's a lot of variables. Like if you if you look or I, there's a lot of variation in our points b- match by match, just because each time you know we're not consistently going to have twenty some odd shooters mm-hmm. shooting limited or whatever in each match, right? So so just by just by sample size alone. We allow for a greater um, participation factor. So the more people we have in mm-hmm. a division, the more points you get for, from that match in ELO points. Yeah. Because like, like we were saying before, the larger the sample we have, the better we can draw data. Yeah, and again, right? this, this goes back to consistency as well. Right. right. Because being more consistent in your shooting, you're maximizing your points, you're maximizing point potential. Um, but again, if you're jumping from division to division to division, you're essentially just getting a baseline based off your classification points for all the matches. And it's just you're rolling missing. off of that. Yeah. And so if you're, if you're really looking to be competitive, and I think this, this will probably happen once we have some financial capability of paying out some kind of prize by the end of the year, best way to do it is to pick a division, continue shooting that division, and don't teeter between different divisions for the particular series that you're shooting. I think teetering between, I think if you do one division one month, another one the another month and then go back to the, to the other one the next month I think there's benefit in that if you can perform if you can perform simply put yeah but it like but again I think that's kind of a moot point because if you can perform then you can perform end of story true but right but you get I guess 
Because you're only missing one month at a time, and you come in and you win by 10% every match you shoot, it doesn't matter. But at the same time, if you're not consistent in your performance... But if you're not consistent, that's when you're going to suffer. Yeah. Right? Like, not consistent in participation, but consistent in your ability to perform at a certain level, then you're probably going to hurt yourself teetering from division to division. I agree. Right? And so, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out for people who are able to shoot all 12 matches of the year, changing divisions, playing within, you know... Play, playing so within different divisions. We don't see a lot of division changing. A lot of people, since Shadowhawk does three matches mm-hmm. for USPSA, they have an AM, they have an AM Saturday, PM Saturday, and a Sunday, uh, Sunday, AM. P, Sunday AM or PM. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll run AM or PM. Or no, 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 AM so, no, and PM for no, Sundays. No, no, for, for Sunday. Do they? Have they so, done sometimes that? they do, yeah. Okay, like so, if, if the demand is big enough, they'll open up PM squads. Okay, but usually it's just one match yeah. on Sunday. So usually there are basically three relays you can shoot. There are people who shoot all three of them, so you can gain points in each division by participating. Without actually missing a month. Without actually missing yeah. a month. And we actually thought this was pretty good because not only is it beneficial to the shooter, because you're getting trigger time, you're bettering yourself, mm-hmm. right? Um, in theory. But it's also nice to support Shadowhawk because, you know, they've worked with us for this entire time. Yeah. And, you know, they'll be um, they'll, they'll be continuing to host our, our next year beta testing, yeah. getting, getting big. But, you know, other than that, they just put on a damn good match. They really do. They really right? do. And, and so, Area 8 will be there next year, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, and, like, if, if you have the time and the finances to shoot Saturday a.m. and p.m., right, it's a great way to start getting... I do. It's, it's like, but it's a great way to start getting prepped for major match season. Yeah. Um, and I think the hardest thing these days is there are a lot of few ranges within our area that will host an a.m. p.m. It's great during um, the summer. It's, really, it's a really good test of your endurance. It is. Um, and like, I, it's the same stages, but at the end for a major match, is, it's an endurance game in the summer. Yeah, and I think the only club that did AM-PM within the same day was North Mountain back in the day. And they did AM-PM on Saturdays. They did AM-PM on Sunday. And you'd see people like Dan Check, You'd see people like you know Matt Nash. The people now who shoot AM-PM. Like, because, because the way that they were doing it is before match, major match season, they would shoot AM-PM for both days as a test of endurance and capability. Not many places do it anymore, and Shadowhawk's probably the only one. And so it's a great way to actually test how well you can shoot for an in, for twelve stages or fourteen yeah. stages or whatever it is, depending on the on the particular match. What it's actually like to shoot that many stages a day, then come back the next day and try shooting some more. Because um, we did a, we did PM AM cer- certain majors this year, and it was pretty brutal. Like it was. Um, I think that was just because hopping in at like in the mid of, in the mid afternoon just yeah. kind of sucked overall. It, it was weird, um, but but at the same time, I think you didn't really start shooting AM PM till later this year, right? Um, June ish. That's when we started to do the whole L ten fiasco. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think. Yeah, but I think that I think that actually did help overall with my major matches. Does. I definitely felt like. When I was um, when I was shooting all those majors, I was not falling apart as easily. I was definitely a lot more headstrong sh- through those matches. So, so I think I think there's benefit to constantly torturing yourself in the most sadistic way possible. Yeah, that doesn't involve exercise. Yeah, <laughs> again, just, standing in the sun when it's a hundred degrees outside. Yeah, standing outside in the sun that's actually a very tiring task. I mean, it's even if you're not doing the, the sun drains you, right? If you're not hydrating, if you're not yeah, uh, you know, staying in the shade, it's gonna it's gonna beat you up. I shot I shot uh, AM PM at uh, at Shadowhawk, and then I drove with uh, with my with our friend 
to Delaware to shoot the next morning. <laughs> we walked the stages of Delaware too, uh-huh. and then we shot the next day. And it was like a hundred. It was like a hundred degrees, and with yeah. all the sand reflecting on all of us, it Oof. was like an oven. Yeah. Um, I'm not shooting any matches in July next year. We'll see about that. I'm not. I'm not shooting. I'm not shooting any majors <laughs> we'll in July next that. year. And then before you know, it, Ken will be like, "Yeah, I have two majors in July." <laughs> well, no. So because I have to do Area Eight stuff starting, like I really have to start. That's true. Getting down with it in That's true. in July, right? Yeah. Um, so I'll be shooting locals and everything, but I won't be shooting any majors in July. And yeah. I just before like before nationals, before Area Eight, before Area Five, I just need a break. Yeah. And Financially think, and physically. Yeah. And emotionally and mentally and. <laughs> And laboratorily, just everything, just everything. Um, I, I, I can only go in porta potty so often. <laughs> oh man! Well, yeah. We're, so we're hitting up on like the forty-five minute mark, and so so this has been a long one. It's been a pretty dry one. I yeah, think. It's, it's kind of like nerding out. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, but hopefully, it provides some insight in you know what we've seen throughout the year. Um, but you know, we're, we're I think for the rest of the year, I think podcasts might be a little slim just with holidays and all. Um, but next year we'll probably end up doing a podcast on Call of Duty. Well, we'll try. We'll see if we can squeeze it in at the end, before the end of this year. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I'm every, not doing anything for the next week, so. Yeah, well, I've got a lot of social things I got to do. I don't have a social um, life, so. Yeah, it must be nice, dude. <laughs> I play but, Call of Duty with you. That's my yeah. social life. But again, everybody who's uh, tuned in throughout the year, we really appreciate the support. Um, yeah, this has been a buck wild ride. Because again, there's the amount of downloads we have from the stats, right? On I don't Podbean. know how people listen to this. Me neither. Um, I can't I, listen to myself. Yeah, I wouldn't listen to myself either. So everyone who does <laughs> listen, you know, we we really appreciate it. And those who have participated and have and have been involved with CSRG stats throughout the year at Shadowhawk, um, we also really do appreciate it because we've gotten a lot of feedback. We've gotten some insight from folks. Um, and you know it's also nice to see people who are actually interested in what we're doing. Um, yeah, for, and so it's, for real, it's been good for us, and we really do appreciate it. So, everybody, yeah. thanks for tuning in. Um, my name is Chris. I'm Keanu. Shoot well. We'll see you on the range. <laughs>